Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Canizero and Daniel Farish as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Inside the OC podcast. My name is Matt Canizero and ready for another exciting edition of our podcast dedicated entirely to the USBC Open Championships. I'm going to be flying solo today. Daniel Ferris has the day off, but I'm sure he's at home watching, making sure all my facts are correct as we roll through things with our guest for today. I don't want to have any delay in bringing him in. He's got some great stories, a long career. Uh, here he is uh, from upstate New York, four-time Eagle winner, Mike Rose Jr., Matt, what's going on, buddy? Michael, welcome to the show. It is always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, I asked you just a minute ago. It looks like uh, you got yourself a COVID nineteen mohawk, but uh, but you in fact just that uh, <laughs> it's just the age. Age is, uh, has has changed your yeah. appearance a little bit, but uh, looking yeah. sharp as ever. Trying to get there the side view in here. Just maybe get a little bit gray is blending in somewhere behind me on the labels. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, the hair is still there, Matt. Just there you go. Okay. Hey. It's still there. You never know in these crazy times. Uh, and before <laughs> we really get into uh, talking about the OC, which is why we're here, uh, let's talk about what's going on right now. You're uh, you're at the local pro shop there. I see you've got uh, your your arsenal in the background. You are ready to compete. Um, I'm ready to go. Are, uh, a hard worker in the bowling business. Uh, but tell us a little bit about life over the last couple of months for for Mike Rose and family. It's been a little strange, obviously. I mean, New York is a tough state right now because we had the most cases nationwide. So everything's been closed around here. It's slowly starting to open up. And unfortunately, the bowling business hasn't really opened up yet. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be in my good friend, Chris Lamb, who I've known since we were little kids and bowled together at his pro shop, Lightning Strikes, which is in New York. And you also know that Lightning Strikes is our companion team at the USBCs with TN, Team uh, NABR. So Chris was gracious enough to host me today and have my arsenal behind me. But, uh, yeah, it's been tough. I mean, family life is good. The wife is still working quite a bit. It's a little slow at Ace Mitchell right now. Uh, Ace Mitchell, obviously, is one of the largest distributors in the country, uh, actually in the world. Uh, we're a little slow at the moment because everything, again, is opening up around the country and around the world. Uh, but hopefully we get back to some more normal times. But again, the wife's working. Kids are doing good. Uh, Grace and my youngest is going to camp. And uh, my oldest, he kind of gets a little tutelage in the summertime from Chris Lamb with a little bowling expertise to make him uh, stronger for the uh, Fairport bowling uh, team. So in the uh, upcoming fall season. Uh, so, Mike, not only are we longtime friends in, in real life, but uh, also Facebook official, which I feel is kind of that's like the standard now. Uh, so um, being able to follow you guys and, and the uh, the Rose family on social media, uh, your wife, Ruth, always globetrotting. She's always traveling somewhere, doing things and um, and posting and, and just being relevant out there in the real world. But now she's been stuck at home with you for all this time. Um <laughs> Talk about that. I wish we could have her on the show to, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just life with Mike. But uh, how's that been? 
Well, actually, I wish he wasn't on the show today because life with Mike probably would not go over very well on this show. <laughs> um, I don't know how censored this show is, but I'm sure she'd have a few choice words for me. Yeah, my wife travels probably 24, 25 weeks a year for her work. Uh, she's a vice president at Sutherland Global, which is a uh, outsourcing company. Uh, her big customer is uh, GoDaddy.com. So she travels a lot to different countries to visit their different sites. Uh, she's a hard, hard worker. Um, she's still a terrific mom, even though she travels so much, but she juggles everything really great. And uh, I mean, I've just learned how to do everything between work and bowling and kids and home stuff while she's gone away. Uh, it's a tough battle. Half our neighbors have no idea how we do it, but uh, we get it done. It, uh, it works. But uh, yeah, I would say Ruth would have a few choice words and probably couldn't wait to get away from me to go to someplace like Bulgaria or Colombia or, or someplace even farther away. Maybe the moon might be the next travel spot. She might want to go to get away from me. Well, we've, we've heard from uh, your, your teammate, Adam Barda in the past. He was on uh, one of our earlier episodes of our podcast. So he gave us uh, some, some stories, uh, but uh, oh as far as recent months, Oh yeah. Um, what have you guys been up to to stay busy, to, to stay sane, to, to just, to, to maybe protect each other, um, you know, and especially in the bowling wise, um, you know, a family of bowlers, uh, what have you guys done to, to keep the bowling sharp and fresh and, and front of mind? Well, you know, it's been really hard. I mean, for a while, uh, I was able to uh, go to one of my uh, good friends bowling centers when all this first started and it wasn't, um, everything wasn't shut down as much. Uh, so I got some time in there. Uh, my friend again, Chris Lamb, he helps me out with my game. So I was staying in shape for a little while there, but, uh, over the last few months, I really have not done a lot with bowling. Unfortunately, uh, I've been working out quite a bit. Uh, Ruth and I got into a steady workout routine. Uh, Heather, uh, Dorico, uh, she has been helping us out with that. Uh, my wife's done unbelievable she's lost a ton of weight she looks fantastic um i haven't bulked up any matt you know no arnold schwarzenegger stuff but definitely in better shape and uh, i do swing the bowling ball downstairs in the basement once in a while not throwing it into anything but uh definitely trying to uh keep it fresh in my mind and i i really want to get back to tournament action because in the summertime around western new york there's tons of stuff to bowl in uh lilac uh, Wild Irish Rose, and a lot of other uh, smaller tournaments for a thousand, two thousand dollars here and there. And unfortunately, this year they've all canceled, and um, I just have have uh, a chance to do any of them. Well, I was actually going to ask. You're looking pretty swole. I was going to see what you were doing, what the workout regimen was. I know there's a there's a commercial, a progressive commercial, maybe with the the sign spinning guy. Hey, do my forearms look uh, look bigger and <laughs> Uh, but uh, glad, glad to hear you guys are, are staying safe and, and staying busy um, and, uh, you know, not, you know, getting hurt at all there. Um, but uh, thank you. Uh, let's, let's talk bowling. And uh, you, yeah. sir, uh, you come from an area. We had uh, Brian O'Keefe on the show recently. Uh, and of course, uh, on friend. our on our OC championship bracket that we're doing online, voting uh, among some of the, the biggest performances and performers of all time. We had Mike Newman also from the area. And, uh, yes. and your, your team at the OC over the years too, uh, superstars from the Northeast upstate New York, there, um, great, great players. And, and, and you have been in the bowling industry, 
uh, really all your life. And, and a lot of folks, again, don't know outside of the Open Championships where you have excelled on the way to four Eagles. We'll talk about those details. The first one coming in 2007, but that was already 15 years into your superstardom on the <laughs> national stage. Uh, tell us about that. Give us a little micros background. I know, uh, again, uh, a breeding ground for talent there in upstate New York. And then uh, you did indeed give the PBA Tour a run. I made a run at Rookie of the Year as well. Uh, so you know what you're doing out there on the lanes. It's not just a couple of fluke performances, and you certainly don't get four eagles uh, by being in the right place at the right time, though. Uh, I think Barda and the guys might have a, have a different story there. But uh, <laughs> tell us about Mike Rose beyond the OC before we get into all the great things you've done on the championship lanes. Well, I mean, I started bowling really young. I mean, I started bowling when I was four years old out at uh, Brongo Bowl in Honeyoy Falls, New York, outside of Rochester. Uh, that's where I grew up. My mother worked there as a waitress. Um, I really didn't bowl before that. When I was four, though, I met this kid in kindergarten. And his name was Willie. Now, Willie was a very interesting kid because uh, he peed his pants all the time in school. So uh, everybody knew who Willie was, but I liked Willie. <laughs> but just to clarify, you are yeah. not Willie, right? Willie's a real person. You are not Willie. No, I am not Willie. Okay. No, I am not Willie. Willie is a real person. But I figured I'd have a great relationship <laughs> with all my stomach issues and bathroom issues I've had over the years. So I figured this was like a match made in heaven right away as a child. So I started bowling at Brongo uh, with Willie on his team. And I think the first score I ever shot was seven. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that was very impressive, but uh, uh, it, it felt good. So I kept going there and practicing more and more and more. Uh, Tom Brongo, the owner who has passed away, uh, he let me practice there seven days a week if I wanted to. So uh, I would go in there and I'd bowl every day. I'd bowl probably 100 games a week. And I did this all the way up until I was probably 18 years old before I went away to uh, college. Uh, I bowled a lot of youth bowlers tour, which is really big in the Western New York area, still is. Uh, I went away to college, to Erie Community College, for two years, and I bowled with some unbelievable guys up there. Uh, Brandon Angelo, uh, Warren Guernsey, Brian Eaton, uh, Ray Sear, uh, just just a, a plethora of talent. And uh, I also learned a lot of great uh, tricks and ways to handle the lanes and how to bowl up there from guys like Mike Newman. Uh, Bob Uvari, uh, who is also a uh, open champion, um, he helped me out a, a, a ton. Uh, but I mean, we bowled pot games all the time. Half the time, I, I think I missed college classes half the time because I was out bowling a pot game uh, during the middle of the day. That was Mike Newman's fault, uh, although we've seen where that's gotten him over the years. But uh, uh, then from there, I went to West Texas State for a little while. Unfortunately, my father got sick and I had to come home and I never actually went back. Uh, and then I just bowled tournaments ever since I was uh, 18. Uh, I joined the adult leagues and we bowled tournaments all over Western New York uh, every single weekend. I would average probably 30 or 40 tournaments a year uh, bowling any place I could. I don't care if it was for $200 or for $5,000. I, I would be there. And all the guys that I hung out with would go too. So it was like a big traveling caravan of uh of delinquents i guess <laughs> all right see we always learn stuff here on the inside the oc podcast all the things uh, we don't really get to talk about in the interviews and when you're taking the lead at the oc especially in the team situation 
There's so much going on. There's photos and interviews. And of course the next squad coming out. So uh, we don't really get to, to dive into to who you guys are and uh, tell some of those stories. So that's some great background there. Certainly uh, explains a lot as well. Uh, and now your OC debut came in 1991. It wasn't too far from where you live. So a short trip over to Toledo. Uh, and you had a great yeah. year, you had a great start at the OC 2087 with a couple of 700. So uh, a very nice debut. Uh, and then next year was good. I mean, 1,800 plus, I think, is the target for most of our bowlers. You had a, a good performance there. Three 600s. Can't argue with that. Uh, and then you no. disappeared, right? So you disappeared. The PBA <laughs> Tour came calling. Uh, rules a little bit different back in the day. Uh, what uh, what was that experience like? What what made that decision uh, what it was at that time? I imagine time and place was good for you. But uh, talk about you know going out there and chasing that dream. I always wanted to go on the uh, PBA tour uh, ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I would watch the Pro Bowlers tour every weekend uh, on Saturday at 3 o'clock on ABC, right before the wide world of sports. Uh, I'd bowl my junior league during the day, and then uh, we would go in and, and uh, make sure all the work was done in, on the lanes and then go watch the uh, tour. So I always wanted to go, and I had the opportunity to go out uh, I think it was 1993. Uh, so I took the opportunity and I went out for a full year. Uh, again, I thought I knew a lot about bowling uh, by bowling in Buffalo and stuff. But uh, what I learned out there was uh, unbelievable. I mean, it's just uh, it was crazy. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I met a ton of great people. Uh, I roomed out there with John Lacido, who was also from my area. Uh, I roomed with Mike Tontis, who his dad uh, ran the bowling center in, I think it was Tucson, Arizona. And uh, that was Pete Tontis, who was a professional, I think a PBA champion. Uh, and then I met the Scroggins brothers, and I roomed with Mark Scroggins, who actually uh, beat me for uh, Rookie of the Year that year. I roomed with uh, Big Rick Miller out of Nebraska, who I've became uh, great friends with over the years. So uh, I met a lot of great guys. That's where I met, you know, Randy Peterson, George Branham, uh, Butch Soper, Jason Couch, who works for our company now, who's always been a great friend, Dave Watka. These are all guys I met when I went out there. They uh, took me in with open arms and uh, they really helped me out. Um, the other guy that really helped me out out there was uh, Mike Miller. Uh, I was going through a bad stretch at the time, and uh, Mike Miller took me aside, uh, and he was a blast. He was hysterical. And uh, besides telling me that uh, he was having uh, uh, dreams of me being naked at night, uh, <laughs> which okay. was always Mike's sense of humor, correct? Uh, he took me aside, and he says, listen, he goes, you're staying underneath the ball too much. He goes, you need to get around it a little more if you're going to be out here. Lane's have been a little drier. Uh, let's get you around it. So he, he taught me how to get around it a little more. And then like the weeks following that, I think I went like cash, final, final, cash, cash. So it, the guys out there were, were wonderful. And I, I could never thank Mike enough. I haven't seen Mike in years, but uh, th that really helped out a lot. And it was a great experience. And I really learned a ton of information that I could take to the high rollers the USBC championships, the open championships. Uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, unbelievable. I loved it. 
So at that point, you know, you had success, things were going well, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, then a different path was chosen. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you, you did not pursue that dream for very much longer. Uh, talk about that decision. Of course, that's that's a big one too. Uh, you know, where did where did that take you at that point? Your return to the OC didn't come until 1999, so there's a, a pretty big window of time in there. Uh, and then those first two years back uh, were less than Mike Rose like. So uh, tell us <laughs> tell us what happened there in the, the mid to late 1990s in, in life and in bowling, and and then uh, you quickly got back on track, and, and then we'll have all the great things to talk about now. Well, after that time of being on the uh, PBA tour. Uh, I actually lost my sponsor, uh, the following year and I only bowled maybe half the, half the stops. So I lost my sponsor. He just decided to go in a different direction. Uh, he wasn't being mean or anything. He just said, uh, you know, I'm going to sponsor more golfers now. And I, you know, I couldn't blame him. And at the time I wasn't a really big golfer, but I was like, you know, it's a business decision. I understand. I mean, he was a great guy and, and he really supported, uh, like he sponsored Doug Kent a little bit, Ken Moscato, uh, he was from Canadagua, New York, just outside of Rochester. So he helped me out a lot, but he just went in a different direction. So I said, you know, I'm going to have to go in a different direction. So I went back to work. Uh, I ran a pizza parlor for a little while. And uh, after that, I did some pro shop work and uh, it started bowling more tournaments again. But the problem was at the time, they you had to take like, I think it was three to five years off from bowling local tournaments. Uh, after you were a, I can't remember, category one PBA member. I can't remember the status they had. But uh, so I took some time off from bowling tournaments. But then when I came back, I really had uh, an even bigger passion to bowl tournaments because I've been off for so long. So uh, we were bowling the World Team Challenges. And uh, Jane, who was uh, uh, working there at the time, and I, uh, Jane, forgive me, I love you to death, but I forgot your last name. And because I know she got married. Uh, so Jane told us, why aren't you guys bowling the USBC tournament? And I said, geez, I don't know. I just never even think about it. She goes, it's a great place to go to. It's gigantic, uh, tons of bowlers, tons of great bowlers. It, it's perfect for your team to go to. So we got our world team challenge team together, which was Mark McLean, Ken Moscato, uh, Scott Turzo, uh, Derek Hooper, Doug Kent was on it also. And uh, we said, let's put a team into the uh, USBCs. And we were Snapple Fire for years. And uh, we started doing that and, and, and I was having a lot of fun. And then after a while, uh, we just started uh, to kind of not, not grow apart because we were all really good friends, but we were kind of going a little different directions. So I got together with Scott Pohl and Brian Wallachek, who we call Wally, and I said, let's put together a team. And he's, they're like, okay, sounds great. I don't really have anything going on here, and I don't have anything going on there. I said, who else can we get? And they're like, well, let's call Barda. And I'm like, well, that's perfect. So we called Barda up, and, and he was having some issues with his team. And then another guy who is a, a great friend of mine and an unbelievable bowler is Rob Galchel. And we said, let's call up Robbie. So we got all us together. And then uh, after that, we put together Team NABR and, and started really hitting it. So we're definitely on the, the fast forward button here. Uh, but uh, let's, let's turn uh, I did, back. I did, go, I did go a little ahead of myself, didn't I? Sorry, Matt. There's a few cool things that happened uh, along the way. But uh, first, 
Uh, you didn't get to see it, but the way my face lit up when you talked about the pizza parlor days, uh, I feel if uh, <laughs> if I would have known pizza parlor Mike, we could have been best friends for sure. Uh, oh but, yeah, uh, absolutely. Shell's, pizza, Shell's Pizzeria was unbelievable. It was fantastic pizza. So, and then my other thought was uh, it was Jane Thomas. She's uh, she's married to a fellow Eagle winner, yes. Greg Thomas, a, a Greg. double champ at the OC. So. Um, you know, she Jane. worked at the event for a long time well, while I was there for a couple of years as well. They ran a uh, registration and the bowlers journal and the whole deal. So, uh, big, big bowlers and uh, big uh, in the industry as well. So, um, a lot of great names I'm sure we're going to drop today. You mentioned all your great teammates there. Uh, you know, as you return to the open championships, uh, a few good years and progressively better. Uh, and then yes. it all fell into place. One fine day in 2007 at the National Bowling Stadium, we were down on the low end of the center. So as far from the office as you possibly could get, uh, a young man named Mike Rose was uh, putting strikes up on the scoreboards at a feverish pace. And uh, we have a photo from that day. We took it from the spot, we call it. The spot, there's no place like it in all of bowling. You get to see nice. the grandeur of the National Bowling Stadium. And, uh, and there you are. That is May of 2007. Uh, it looks like just based on what we're looking at, like decades ago, but, uh, it was, uh, just right yeah, the around hair the corner. Was really lot, hair was a lot darker there, Matt. Well, yeah, Eagles will do that to you. Gray. There you I go. Think they do. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a, that was a crazy time in your career. And, and you mentioned, uh, in talking to us, uh, that winning an Eagle would be the ultimate dream. It'd be like the one thing that you ever wanted in bowling, uh, pretty much. Uh, and on that day, 2198 was the score. Uh, and it was a great score. And uh, we just had a, it was a wacky week at the OC. We had a doubles record shortly thereafter. But uh, but you got there, which is the number one thing. Of course, you can't win if you don't take the lead. You did that. Um, and then the, kind of a new experience for you to, to be that guy, to be in that spot. Um, Time-wise, before social media, before videos and Facebook and all that good stuff. So um, we always like to, to turn it back and hear what it was like in the olden days of taking the lead at the Open Championships. <laughs> Uh, when you had the, the online leaderboards, if anything, and people in town maybe to, to give you a call. But uh, I guess first tell me about uh, that day. I know I'm sure you remember it vividly, uh, but 787 in singles, big, big number, uh, and enough to get uh, into the top of the standings there. But the all events lead uh, is what you did. And uh, tell us about the moments and, and getting there uh, and then what followed as far as everything that came with it and then the weight. Yeah, so on the way to uh, Vegas, uh, or not Vegas, sorry, Reno, I was uh, sitting with Scott Terzo on the plane, and I told him, uh, you know, we were talking, oh, gosh, we want to win an Eagle, we want to win an Eagle. That would be the greatest thing ever if we can win an Eagle. And I said, I'm telling you, I feel like I'm close. I said, Scott, if I could just break 670 in a team event, I think I can win. So... I think that year in 2007, I don't know, Matt, you might have it in front of you. I think I shot 677 in the team event. I don't know if I'm was, right with that. 687, you're close. So you, you beat your 670 okay. uh, by, a, by a ton. I, you, were, you were there already. Yes, I pummeled it. I was all over it. So uh, I told him if I could shoot over 670, I think I have a great shot. So then we went into the doubles and uh, I've, we, it was it was funny because there was these two guys that were bowling ahead of us. And Scott was having an absolute fit because both guys were throwing rubber balls down the middle of the lane. 
they had to be probably in their 70s and 80s, God bless them for still being out there. I mean, and they were taking forever. And we told the people behind us, we're like, listen, we don't want to get penalized because these guys are going to finish a half hour late. And I mean, they're just really slow. And the people are like, no problem, no problem. We're watching it. We're watching it. So Scott was panic stricken. And I'm like, Scott, we'll just roll with the punches. You know, we'll just we'll just go with it. So we get on the lanes, we get our practice. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have got an unbelievable ball reaction. My ball would uh, it, it would just go flush every time. It wasn't coming up light. It wasn't going high. It just kept going hook, stop, flush. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is unbelievable. And my carry was ridiculous. So I said, wow, this is uh, this is unreal. So Ken Moscato, my doubles partner, was also bowling a really good uh, all-event set, too. So I got through the doubles, and I, I, I don't even remember what I shot in doubles. Uh, 750, maybe, Matt? Was I right? 760? 724. So you had some work to do in singles. Okay. So I had some work to do in singles. So we switched pairs and I'm like, okay, first couple frames, I think I started off with a couple trip fours, made a couple adjustments. Same thing started to happen. The ball would just go hook, stop, flush, hook, stop, flush. And the 10 just kept snapping out and all the pins kept going straight back. And I just felt like I had the entire world. Scott was standing behind me the whole time, keeping me really, really quiet, really patient. I was super, super laser focused. I wouldn't take my eyes off the pair. I kept watching everybody that was on the pair with me and what their ball was doing. And then the next thing I know, I have 787 and it's over with. And I'm sitting in a set area and I, I, I think I started to cry because I, I couldn't believe what I had just done because I had only dreamt of doing it and I wanted to do it, but it actually happened. And I remember Scott coming over and patting me on the back. And he was like, this is unbelievable. You took the lead. And I'm like, I, I can't believe it. I said, I, I, I just can't believe this just happened. So it, it was it was almost mentally and physically draining. I, I, I felt like I had no energy left until probably afterwards when I probably drank a 12-pack of beer after we left the place. So, uh, but it, yeah, it was incredible. I, I've never felt anything like it. I've never felt so laser focused on what I was doing and, and knowing what I was doing was completely right the entire time. So yeah, in, incredible. Well, you made it through uh, again. That was early May. So you had to make it until July. Uh, and again, it was a, a, a good score. Of course, 2198 was the number. Um, and what was the weight like and, and, and who kept you posted and how did things go? And, uh, and how tough was it not to be looking at the scoreboard all day long? <laughs> That was painful. That was really, really painful. So I kept going to the USBC website, which uh, I think it was it still bold.com back then, the website? Yeah, bold.com. Everything pretty much yeah. the same, but the updates coming, you know, probably hours after you really wanted to see them too, but, uh, but it was there. So you guys always had that little teeny column on the right side, and it had the top 10 or the top five, I think it was of uh, every event. So every day, every morning, every night, I would go on and I would look on that to see if someone had gotten close to me. And every time I heard a good player w was bowling, I would tune in to watch too, uh, or, or, or just track their scores or whatever I had to do. Cause I know they weren't videoing the people at the time, but I remember my, one of my biggest fears was uh, Bill Hoffman. 
because mm-hmm. I think he started out with an 800 that mm-hmm. year. And I was absolutely panic stricken because Billy was such a great bowler. And I'm like, this is like a, a, a going to be a free for all for him. He just shot 800 in the team event, which is usually the hardest thing to shoot a big score. And he's going into doubles and singles, which he should be able to absolutely maul. And uh, I, I I couldn't take my eyes. At, that was that was the most worried I had been, I was the entire time was when Billy bowled. I followed every single frame that could I could see pop up. It was I was going nuts. I was I, I was crazy, out of my mind. Not um, like unusually nobody. out of my no. mind, but. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody realized at the time that you're still a decade away from even knowing what score tracking was all about. Uh, nothing like uh, Rainman Adam Barda, uh, but uh, but you got it done. You got there, and I know we talked while you're still in town about the possibilities. You didn't want to jinx it, of course. Uh, you may may not remember this conversation at all, but uh, you know the idea of being a defending champion at the OC. There's some fanfare and things that come with it as well. The big introduction uh, coming down center aisle before your team event. Uh, and, and you're, you're definitely one of the most energetic guys that, that we have out there and, uh, you can put on a show and you talked about, you know, what would that moment be like that curtain opening moment when you're introduced as a champion for the first time? Uh, you know, you said, man, if I could win this thing, do you remember maybe what you said you would do if, uh, if you could, could be that guy coming out of the curtain? Well, I, I don't remember quite what I said. I know I didn't say I'd run around naked through the bowling center or anything like that which is probably something i would normally say but i think i ran out and i think was it mindy with me and i just i threw my arms up in the air like this yeah i remember correctly there initially was some talk of uh of of glitter and (laughs) and and confetti and feather boas and just all kinds of crazy costumes and things just to just to make it memorable and uh and we toned it down a little bit for the the family audience there in albuquerque but Man, uh, to, to finally get that phone call, and we'll talk about coming back the next year. That's that's a whole other thing. But um, to get the phone call, to hear that it was official, you were the champion. Talk about the relief, and then the months that followed, because immediately, you know, you're you're in that moment. Maybe it doesn't click at that time. Maybe it comes when you get the eagle. Maybe it comes for you when you're introduced the next year. Uh, but the relief of the phone call. And then the months that followed, as you knew, at some point, you're going to have to put that title on the line as well. Yeah, the relief was uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it when I got the phone call. I mean, that was one of the best days of my life. Uh, just to hear them say you had won. Uh, I, I just I think I started to cry again. Obviously, you know, by now I'm a crier. <laughs> so uh, uh, the relief, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I was in tears when they called me up to tell me that I had won. I waited for months and months and months for that. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was one of the best feelings of my life. I mean, besides having my children and marrying my wife, I think that's uh, the top feeling there ever. All right, well, you came back the next year, and, and this story gets even better for, for us as bowling fans uh, and historians at the O.C., uh, no player in tournament history had ever won back-to-back all events titles. Just, just all that comes with it uh, is such a, a monumental task to be able to win two in a row. Uh, and you came back the next year. You bowled well. You came out 7:30, 7:31 in the team event. So a great start. Um, and it came down to your final frames. And and your telling of this story is going to be way different than those of us who are watching. Uh, but you got down to singles. 
we knew the numbers, of course. That's what we do. Uh, you're a numbers guy, I believe, so you probably had some idea of, of what it was going to take. Uh, but you needed strike nine spare in your final frame to get into the lead. The unfathomable, potentially back-to-back all-events titles, never been done, uh, and you were on your way to being that guy. Uh, but you had a, a – I don't want to use profanity here, but I, I certainly could. But uh, the <laughs> what you had to do to step up, at that point – uh, the lanes were scorched. You were standing in front of the ball return. We're nine games into your title defense now. Uh, the place is quiet. Everybody's getting done, getting ready for the next squad to start in a few minutes after they get the lanes ready. Uh, all eyes are on you because everybody knows in the place what's happening, that you are you're this close to the lead. Strike nine, Sparrow will get it. Front of the ball return. And it was almost angelic the way that the – at, at the time, it was the vapor zone for you, I believe, was delivered. Uh, so, it was. so like high into the air, onto the lane, uh, and you got the job done. Strike nine spare. You take the lead by a single pin. The energy in the moment and just where you're playing in the lane, just unbelievable. All of those things. Uh, that's the micros that uh, that I'll probably remember years and years and years from now. Not what happened the year before and the celebration and all that, but talk about 2008 because that performance – was unreal. So 2008, when I bowled the team event, I still remember this now because obviously I didn't hold on to it. But in the team event, I had uh, not made a specific move in a 10th frame. And uh, even though I had 730-something, I think you said, uh, I had Greek churched uh, in the 10th frame. So thinking back that came back to haunt me later on but going into the doubles and singles the next day uh, i told scott i said well this is a good start uh i think i have a good chance of maybe repeating something and then i throw my first ball in doubles and singles and i look at scott and i go uh no i don't i don't have a chance at this um i'm I'm in trouble so he starts laughing and i go the lanes are scorched they're fried so I just make this gigantic move inside, and I think I was playing like uh, between fifth and sixth arrow. And uh, suddenly I started to find the pocket again, and, and, the, and the ball started shipping up, and uh, I was tripping fours, and I had some good things going for me. Uh, so I'm like, well, maybe this is a possibility. So then when I got to the uh, singles, they were actually worse. So the ball was hooking even more. So I said, geez, I'm going to have to move even deeper. So I moved deeper and the ball started shimming up again. And I was tripping some fours and getting some good breaks there. And I'm like, wow, now I really think I might have a chance for this because I'm comfortable playing here because we used to play there all the time when I lived in Buffalo. And, uh, you, you know, you bowl tournaments all the time and you have to play there a lot, especially around the Western New York area. So I just tried to stay with it, tried to keep my head, you know, into the whole thing, watching everybody's ball again. Uh, every time they let it go to see where I have to move or stay in the same spot. And uh, I got to the 10th frame of the singles and I, I knew what I need to do. And I told Scott, I said, I have to, I have to move again. And he's like, just, just do it. And I said, I have to, because I'm going to go high. So I moved like another three and two left and I just launched it down the lane and it faded back and it went dead flush and I got the strike. So looking back, I'm like, gosh, I, I thought I had to move again. And I said, 
I can't move again on this because I need nine spare. So I threw it down lane. I lofted it way down the lane. I put everything I had into it and I four pinned. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's okay. So I walked up, picked the spare. And once again, I just sat down and I felt like someone punched me in the stomach and all the wind was sucked out of me. I had, I had nothing left on that one. I mean, that was, uh, that was a tough one playing that deep for six games in a row. That one I definitely can feel for you because I was exhausted just watching and kind of seeing, <laughs> um, seeing it all shake out. It was just unbelievable to watch. And again, uh, if we had video back then, potentially that bowling ball could have become the, the best-selling ball of all time and you would have had your name on it and your face on it and the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, and then you're in position. I mean, you, you left in the lead, uh, position to, to win back-to-back titles. Again, unfathomable, at least in the history of the OC at the time. Uh, and then within a couple of weeks, uh, you actually got passed twice. I uh, ended up finishing third overall. And uh, one of the gentlemen who did go around you, uh, he had a wacky story as well. He actually showed up in Albuquerque uh, at the wrong week. He was a week ahead of schedule. Um, and so he, he went home and then he, he rearranged his work schedule. He came back. Uh, he was able to bowl some bowlers journal squads. Uh, he ended up winning singles. He shot 832 in singles. Uh, and, it just that story was just phenomenal as well. You know, he potentially which was couldn't I have think come his back. highest his highest score ever, right? By far, by two hundred uh, pins, possibly. It was uh, it was just it was just the way things shake out sometimes. Um, you know the, the storylines that we get at the OC, but uh, your performance that day uh, among the best that uh, I certainly ever will remember at the Open Championships, even though it ended up in a third place finish. Uh, but man, it really solidified. I think your place at the event. And, uh, and now, uh, we've passed another 12 years. Can you believe it? We're, uh, we're now no. in 2020. You've got 20 years logged at the open championships. And that was three Eagles ago. That was just the first one. Yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> the, the time I, I feel like I, I feel youthful and, and I still, this job keeps me young, certainly and all of you guys as well. Um, uh, but the things you've accomplished since, uh, you were not able to do alone and you bowled well. In the year since at the OC, I had a 2200 in 2011. Uh, and you already mentioned the team NABR and how that team came to be. Uh, just a, a couple of ragamuffin bowlers just looking for guys to bowl with, uh, put together. <laughs> and if you if it was even possible to upgrade from the talented team that you had before, uh, you know, you found this this group of guys who, who I still will put up against uh, any team at the OC uh, in, in probably in decades. Um, just as as far as the talent level and what you guys have accomplished, uh, which is uh, pretty awesome. And but it's so it's such a family. And we had Adam Barda on to talk about that and what it means. And um, you know, you guys did something. And we have a clip we'll have in a minute here. But uh, the the couple of years uh, as you were all getting comfortable bowling together at the Open Championships and really coming together, 2013, 14, uh, it all really fell into place in 2015 in El Paso uh, and. That's the one that I think a lot of folks will remember, not for you know what you guys did in the middle of the lineup, but for what Rob Godshaw did as the anchor player. But uh, we have to remind him that for him to be able to have the opportunity to do what he did, which was double in the tenth frame, uh, you and Brian Walchek had to do the same thing. And so this is where that chemistry and the support and the communication came in. Um, Adam Barter was lead off. Scott Pohl was in the two hole and, and he unfortunately uh, he left a baby split, I believe, and, and was not able to convert that. Uh, so you guys needed to step up 
And uh, both of you, you and Walchek, doubled in the tent to give Rob a chance. Potentially one of the most energetic moments on Bowl TV, on the live stream. Um, let's first take a look, and then let's hear about that from your perspective. I haven't been all in the middle of it. So this is the El Paso Convention Center. And you see there, Brian Walchek must have double right, so to get you guys the max score here in contention. And now you and Rob Godshaw getting the job done. Of course, Rose and Godshaw both working on three in a row. No room for error. Gets the late trip of the nine. These guys know what's at stake right now. Aaron, this is a key moment in the 2015 Open Championships. There's no time to be talking about steak. Focus, man. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> so, again, Mike, you have a, a very talented companion team, which you, you've mentioned, and, and 10 guys working together, communicating yes. throughout these three games. Very, very important. Uh, and then and for you guys the big shots holding each other up the way that you do. Took the lead the year after. With again, the, must have big, for big, you in this position once again in your career, and you delivered here and ready to deliver here. Second shot in the 10th frame for Mike Rose. Needs to have it. What a shot! I'll tell you, the first one, Matt, is the Hashtag one that Mike nervous. R all day, every day. <laughs> because I That's had to make a move face. on the first shot, and uh, I was afraid I was going to leave like a nine pin, and I almost did. So, scenarios uh, up. So then I moved Robin again on Gatchel the second shot, and I actually. Uh, Went dead flush. Finishes this game off and take. It was a blessing. I kind of tripped that nine out the frame before. The team lead from Team NABR. All right, They're so we'll watch your final shot here, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit. For your team and delivering three in the tenth is being the anchor bowler to do so. Uh, one of the key moments that comes to mind, of course, is back in 2013, John Janowitz doing it to break the record and take home a team title and now it's, it's on rob godshaw a double here and here's the man all right so there there you are you're the uh in the four hole there and doing your job that's all you can do is set up the anchor guy uh you mentioned what talented player rob was and and there's a reason uh you end up in that position oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, as the captain, and, and this is something you guys, I'm sure, discuss as a team and who feels comfortable wearing, who fits best, and um, and we know the history of it. Rob went on to, to get a double, uh, and you guys get into the lead, uh, big, big number, and you go on to win. Now, you finally had the opportunity to share that winning feeling and the whole experience with your teammates. At that point, uh, only your name had the Orange Eagle next to it on the scoreboard. Uh, and something now that you get to to take with the rest of your teammates. Tell us about that and, and how this one was different than the first one in 2007. This one was a little different because obviously I got to share it with four other people. Um, you know, I, I, I kept telling those guys when we got together that uh, one thing I guys I want you guys to experience is the same thing I got to experience in 2007. And, and I would love for you guys to all have an ego. And I said, and that's why we put this team together so that we could really have a legitimate shot at, uh, at maybe getting one or two or three or whoever knows. But one would be just the goal to get one as a team. 
So I was extremely happy for all those guys to, uh, again, feel the same thing I had. I got to fail in uh, 2007. Uh, I mean, we had such a great time that week. Uh, El Paso was, uh, was, was so great. I mean, after we got done, we, we went to the ballpark and we had some beers and Adam got to throw out the first pitch. Uh, so I, the whole experience down there, El Paso was wonderful. I mean, I, I know a lot of people at the time didn't want to go. But we had a great team. We had a great uh, time down there. Great experience. The people were some of the nicest people I've ever met in the country. And uh, I, I think that whole experience of everybody being so nice and the accommodations being so nice uh, that it puts all in a good mood to, to have a shot to win. And and we all came together. Then we did what we had to do in the tenth frame. And and then they all got to experience what I had to, uh, what I got to experience uh, in 2007. So it was, it was, it was great. Yeah, I, I feel like 2015 was just, just timid compared to to what Adam Barter put us through in 2017 when you guys were leading the team event <laughs> and team all events. I don't even uh, remember really hearing much from Adam uh, as you guys were waiting to find out if if you won that year. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe the excitement of winning once made the the next time. Uh, even more special and important. But uh, before we move on too much and talk about 2017, we want to bring in one of those teammates, uh, the, the longtime teammate, the longest of the bunch, to talk about uh, sharing that experience with you and being a part of NABR and kind of what it means uh, to to be now part of tournament history forever together uh, as now three-time Eagle winners as teammates. And here he is coming in uh Scott Pohl is coming from Minnesota in between lessons. Uh, we just wanted to, we knew we were going to get some stories from you, but we wanted to hear Scott's take a little bit uh, on life with Mike Rose before he has to go and do his next lesson. <laughs> so, hey, how Scott, you guys doing? Oh, welcome. no. I don't even know if I, I don't know if I want to hear this. Oh, well, hey, it's all right. It's all good. So, Scott uh, is a big performer, Hi, doubles partner of Mike Rose, longtime Team USA member, and, uh, Kind of the quiet guy of the bunch, but uh, when you get going, I think you're you're that guy with the with the one-liners and the stories, and you kind of keep things light behind the scenes. But um, we've been talking about Mike Rose's rise to celebrity status at the OC. Uh, we just got done recapping 2015 when he had the opportunity to share the winning eagle winning experience with you guys as a team, and how much that meant to you uh, and to him. Uh, can you talk about that from your perspective and, and just getting there and then holding on to win that first one? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was a special year, of course. Um, I got to be honest, it was uh, it was nerve wracking as all could be for me because I bowled not very well in the team event. And uh, it would have been really tough to take if those strikes wouldn't happen at the end. So El Paso probably would have had some damage to their community otherwise. But, uh, you know, it was it was awesome to win that event and to win with really good friends and people that we've known for a long time. You know, you just can't say anything about that that's just unbelievable yeah now scott one of the the big big moments of your career was with team usa in 2006 uh part of the the world championship breaking a streak of 35 years uh between team titles at the world championships big moment for you for team usa uh, and then the eagle coming just a few years later um i know that's probably hard to compare those two things but uh is it a similar feeling and, and can you even describe or can you compare uh, what each one meant to you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, just gives me goosebumps kind of thinking about those. Uh, it's very similar. Uh, Team USA, we had a lot of great players and friends together again, you know, 
We uh, came together through the amateur ranks at that time. There was no professionals on the team. And then with NABR, it's the same way. You know, I mean, a lot of friends. We've known each other for a long time. We kind of sweated through a couple of years that weren't really great. I mean, I think Mike would agree with me. Our previous performances weren't that great prior to El Paso. And it uh, it took a little while for our team to gel. But, yeah, once we got it going, it was unbelievable to win together. Cool. Now, that team has continued to excel and succeed and be in the mix, you know, regardless of uh, of the year. I know if you don't take the lead, it's kind of a little bit of a letdown. Uh, but you guys came together once again in 2017, and this this is the emotional one. This is when things uh, just get a, a little bit different. It's, it's different than just camaraderie and winning. Um, and we talked about this with Adam and heard his perspective on it. But uh, going into the 2017 event, of course, hopes are high. You guys have expectations after the success that you've had. Uh, and then uh, real life kind of takes the, the front seat there and puts bowling on the back burner a little bit, not to use as many cliches in one sentence as possible. But uh, going into that 2017 event, uh, life changed a little bit for you uh, and certainly changed the perspective on being at the OC uh, and what it meant to be teammates and friends. Uh, Mike, maybe you can kind of tell us about that time in your life. Of course, you love the OC, you love South Point, you love Las Vegas, uh, you love Team NABR and being with those guys for those few days each year. Uh, but it was a little bit different in 2017. Yeah, this is uh, this is one where you and I talked about where you get the good ratings off of this. This is a little harder for me to talk about. This is uh, my sister Shelly uh, passed away from brain cancer when I was out there. So this was a really tough one. And she passed away before we even started to bowl. Uh, I was rooming with Scott. We always room together. Uh, and, uh, I got the news late, uh, at night, early morning, basically in Vegas. And, uh, I mean, I can't say enough about my teammates, uh, helping me get through it. Uh, when I was out there, uh, I mean, Paul was great. Everybody was just wonderful. Uh, I can never say enough about Scotty. I mean, we'll get to some other stories with him helping me out, but, uh, that that was amazing and uh uh we bowled and uh we did what we had to do uh unfortunately i mean i didn't put up a big score for that one i think i only had like 602 or 604 um i got home my father had told me he goes i don't even know how you shot 600 um but as soon as we took the lead i mean we were all happy it, it was great uh and then as soon as we were done uh, Scotty grabbed me and he drove me as fast as he could to the airport. And, uh, and I flew home to get to my sister's funeral on the, on the weekend. So it, it, it was a really tough one. I mean, really, really tough. And, um, uh, I, I can't say enough about even the staff at the open championships, how nice they were to, uh, to me. They, they gave me a card before I even left. Uh, I'll never forget that. I mean, that meant the world to me that you guys actually took the time out of your busy schedule to, to, to even think of me like that. But, uh, and I'll never forget again, what Scott did for me. Like he's, you know, he just basically, he's like, let's go. We're going grab my balls. We went downstairs and we just, we just took off. He's like, I gotta get Rose to the airport. And he drove me there, like I said, as fast as he could. And my wife had, uh, booked me a flight home and, uh, uh 
and then uh, we just uh, played the waiting game a little bit. Now, for for the OC, of course, you get you get one side a year. The guys have to come from all over the country, come together. Um, and again, expectations high for team and ABR after the victory, uh, trying to get some more. Uh, but mm-hmm. in that moment, it's that's a big conversation, a big decision for you guys to have as a team. You know what to do. Um, you know, do, does Mike bold? Is Mike not bold? Do you postpone? Do you come back another time? Uh, you also had a new teammate that year. Rob Godshaw had had moved on. Uh, Anthony Pepe uh, was in as as your left hander coming in and, and kind of shaking things up a little bit from uh, from the left side. Uh, but Scott, on that day in that moment, what kind of conversations did you guys have about you know what to do, how to do it, and then to go out and perform the way that you did? Uh, you know, for Mike. For his sister, uh, wow. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember talking with some teammates, and you know, there was, of course, we had to, we had to grieve a little bit with Mike, but you know, the job was still to bowl, and uh, a lot of people count on us. Um, we count on ourselves. You know, we treat bowling like it is kind of our profession, so to speak. So things happen like that. And I just remember talking with uh, Brian Wallachek for one thing. And we just said, you know, we're going to try and stay with Mike and support him and, you know, keep his mind off it as much as possible. That was, that was what we did. So we just kind of stayed in that moment of, you know, we had a team practice the night before, I believe. And we just, uh, we met together for breakfast, lunch, late lunch, got ready to bowl. We just kept him in that moment, you know, that's, and we tried to treat it just like as another year as much as possible. You know, it sounds cliche, but that's what we did. We really just, we tried to just treat it like it was another year, another preparation. And, you know, this is what we're going to do. All right. Now, again, Mike mentioned that as soon as bowling was over, quick photos uh, and uh, off to the airport. And of course, some, some things needed to happen. It it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with the team event. You guys got the lead, which also would have meant a nice head start for team all events. Uh, But there's still six more games the next day. Uh, you guys are doubles partners and uh, scheduled to bowl, uh, of course, uh, able to work it out where you could focus on family stuff and come back at a later time. So the rest of the guys went out there and they bowled the next day for doubles singles. They pulled phenomenally. They really stepped up uh, and their, their hope, their intention was that they were going to set the bar so high uh, with their efforts that once you guys were able to come back, uh, you didn't have that much hard work to do. Uh, to get to the number. Uh, they really, really wanted this for you, uh, for the team, for your sister, uh, and they, they got it done. Um, but it was still, uh, it was a little ways away before things settled down and you were able to focus again on bowling uh, and making a run at Team Mall events. But uh, talk about that decision, how you guys worked all that out that you are able to come back, uh, and then how you mentally prepare in that time, knowing what you need to shoot collectively to get to that team all of us number at the time and then go out and do it. Yeah. You know, after uh, Mike went off to the airport and, you know, we said our goodbyes, uh, you know, as a team, we just talked about, Hey, we're going to do this for Rose. You know, we're going to do this for him and his family. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this thing. That was, that was just the mindset 100% with our sponsor, everything, you know, he was in our mind. And uh, I do have to throw in there, please. Can I throw in that? I was high on team this time as, as opposed to low. <laughs> I just want to throw that in. Thank you. Appreciate that. But, I, uh, I was low. I was that's low. understandable, but I just wanted to point out that I redeemed myself. But anyhow, no, uh, getting back to it. Um, yeah, so we just woke up that next day with 
you know, a purpose. And I guess my and see what I can see on the lanes and help them and get them through getting a big number out there. Scott, you got to take that information away from the OC. You headed home, uh, and I'm certain that you guys talked quite a bit about what happened, what you saw. We actually had some video of Adam that year. He bowled very well uh, during doubles and singles. Uh, so um, how do you prepare at that point? I mean, again, you knew the numbers. You knew what it was going to take. You knew what you needed to do, but that's way different than going out there and doing it and knowing how much it all means. You already had the team lead. You were sweating that out. Uh, and then you talk about coming back, Mike. Uh, and how Scott helped prepare you uh, for those arguably some of the, the biggest games of your career. Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, well, you know, we basically went through a bunch of go, scenarios. Go ahead, Scotty. Okay. I'll just talk real quick. Then you can, we just went through a bunch of scenarios cause we weren't no, sure ahead. who we were going to really bowl with and how they played the lanes, which is key, you know, as far as how the lanes break down and we went in with a big open mind and, basically bowling balls to attack as many situations as we could come up with. Hey, Mike, from, from your side, to just, yeah, yeah. Scotty was in, uh, yeah, he was in, uh, Scotty was in constant, uh, contact with me all the time. Uh, he was even sending me, you know, some messages about how the guys were doing and what they were shooting. And then obviously him and I talked nonstop, uh, in between when we went back on, what we were going to do for balls, where it looked like we should play the lanes, um, what we what we might do with different people, since we were bowling with people that we did not know, and and we actually we didn't know who we were bowling with. We could have bowled with anybody, so um, we just prepared, like Scott said, for every scenario, and uh, we drilled up a bunch of different balls, and uh, we went back out, and we just said, you know what, we're going to do the best we can with what we got, and uh, and that's what we did. We, like you said, Matt, we just kind of got the job done. It wasn't anything spectacular, especially on my my part. I really didn't do anything great. But Scott and I just kept saying, "Let's just hang in there. All we got to do is get this. We just got to get to this." And that's what we did. I know you you did. You got there, which is all you can do. Uh, and then the wait was on just a, a few more weeks before the tournament ended. And and we'll talk in a minute about how crazy it got with Adam keeping score and, and tracking things. And I know Scott has to get off to uh, to go shape. <laughs> The, the future of our sport. So uh, just uh, we'll get some final thoughts here, Scott, about um, those second and third wins for you guys and, and how much it meant. Uh, of course, the first one's always incredibly special, but these ones uh, had a little bit different tone to them. Uh, can you talk about that before you head out uh, and just what it meant to, to hold on and win not only team event, but team all events as well? Uh, yeah, Matt, I apologize for our teammate. If we could have, you know, kept him away from his phone and messaging you every hour on the hour about scores and <laughs> when to go Facebook live when we were bowling. I, Arda, you need to calm down. I know that's impossible, but uh, anyhow, uh, it was, yeah, it was a long wait. It's always fun. We had to do that a couple years prior. So we kind of knew the process. Technology these days is a lot different than when Mike won his all events which is kind of a blessing and a curse. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, we thought our all events, team all events was a really good number. And it turned out that I can't remember the exact number. Was it 47 pins? I think we won by or something like that, maybe less than that, which, you know, it comes down to just a couple of good frames. It's unbelievable. And then actually it was very nerve wracking. The last night, the last team event, we had to wait until the 10th frame for a team to possibly not even beat us, you know? So, uh, 
that was a uh, that was emotional. We kind of knew our all events was pretty much in for us, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun process to really look at. You know, that's where you want to be. Uh, we enjoy it together. We have a lot of group chats, and you know, as long as we keep uh, Barda in check, things uh, things happen well. All right. Well, Scott, thank you for uh, for joining us today and saying hi to Mike and sharing some of the stories from from your side and kind of what it all means. Uh, and a three time eagle winner. That's got to sound pretty sweet before you head out and uh, take that to the next lesson. And um, wow, three times. It does, and uh, we're looking forward to going for four, hopefully in October. You know. Or more. There you go. Well, thank nice. you. We look forward to it. And uh, we'll keep talking with Mike here a little bit. And uh, we'll get uh, some additional stories as well. But uh, thank you, my, or Mike and Scott. And we'll, we'll see you soon, Scott. Uh, hey, thanks we'll for having me. Here. See you, Paul. Take care. Have a good one. See you, Paul. All see right, you, Mike. There's a nice, nice little surprise for you. Uh, and uh, some reminiscing. Uh, what, a, what a great story. I mean, it's not, unfortunately, the circumstances. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, just the story makes it so, so special for you guys. And I, I think that's part of uh, what motivated Barter so much. And, and we joke, uh, but the passion that, that he has for the team and for bowling and, and for winning, uh, certainly uh, it was, it was amazing. And he wanted that for you guys more than anything, uh, checking in with us pretty much by the squad. It was, it was constant, um, you know, maybe so that you didn't have to worry about it so much so that you could, work on life and things and getting things in order. Um, but uh, really looking at that team score, I don't think many people thought 32-66 was enough to get it done uh, when, when he left. And then, uh, you know, 10,000 is kind of the bar in Team Olivets now, and you guys were at 99-57. Uh, so two numbers that were, were kind of borderline, but, uh, it, but it happened. It got there. It was enough. Uh, maybe it was some divine intervention, perhaps that that made it all happen for you. But um, I think those numbers uh, you had to be uh, stressed a little bit more uh, walking out and watching the rest of the folks come in and come through. But uh, what a wait! And uh, tell us about that, and and then to finally again to get the call and find out that not only one but two more egos coming your way, and you are now a four-time champion in the very emotional 2017. Tell us about that. So yeah, that that uh, that weight was uh, was obviously brutal again because there was uh, so many good teams uh, gunning for that score, and they were getting very very close. Um, I know one of our local teams with uh, Chris Bartle and Doug Kent and Jacob Kent. They gave it a great run in our uh, team all event score, and then uh, Higgy's Aquarium. Uh, with all those great guys and great bowlers on that team, they made an unbelievable run of singles. I mean, that score was gigantic. I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I, I was mowing the lawn and I had to like jump off the lawn tractor and go sit down in like a, in the, a small area in my house and be by myself because I was panic stricken. Um, but yeah, we thought the team event, we're like, oh, that's not going to last. Wally always says, oh, that's, that's third, maybe fifth. <laughs> And, uh, and then the team all events were like, ah, we might have a shot with that. They're pretty tough all the way around. But then as it kept going on, we're like, wait a minute, nobody's even getting close to the team event. How's that possible? This is a score we thought we'd get beat by 50, 60 pins. And, uh, and the score that we thought we were going to be good at, everybody's getting very, very close to. So that made it even more stressful on top of 
having Adam, who I thought I was going to have to have committed uh, during this time to some uh, a psychiatric ward or uh, or maybe uh, put him in the hospital because I was afraid he was going to have a heart attack because he was only sleeping like two or three hours a night. And, I'll you know, see. God knows Adam's not in the greatest shape of his life all the time. So sorry, Adam, about that one. I'm sure you're listening. But uh, yeah, I was panicked for Adam. He's like, Mike, I'm sleeping two, three hours a night. I'm like, dude, you got to stop that. I said, you're going to get sick. He's like, I can't help it. I can't stop watching. I, I, I'm panic and someone's going to beat us. I'm like, just relax. If someone beats us, they beat us. But y- you got to sleep. But he kept doing it the whole way through. I mean, he looked, I went to a tournament with him one time. He looked absolutely <laughs> terrible. I just could not stop laughing. And he was looking at his phone the whole time he was bowling this tournament. I was like, you got to stop. You got to stop. But I love him anyways. I mean, Adam's so wonderful and he does have such a passion for bowling. Um, I really like having that. He was doing that on our team because, uh, Wally was not looking at all. Wally was like, Nope, not looking. Nope, not looking. And every time Bart would say something, Wally would be like, don't care. Watching TV, uh, having a drink. So yeah, we always have this huge thread going on with our team. That's, uh, that can get pretty out of control once in a while. And it really does perfectly illustrate the, the five team members and, and how different you guys are. And, and you're, you're doing a great job of that. It really is true. And everybody has a role uh, and kind of a, a, a take mm-hmm. or a, a mood to the whole thing. And uh, that you nailed it right there. And, and uh, but you guys work so well together. You have so much fun on and off the lanes. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, uh, with the support of, of Pete Barta, of course, uh, and the whole Barta family and all yes. your families and, um, you know, especially coming back the next year in Syracuse, it was close enough for, for all of them to drive out. Uh, the double trophy presentation, I think, uh, was pretty memorable as well. Just, I mean, those are already pretty sizable trophies. The moment is huge as well. Uh, and uh, just to be a part of that, see all the, the family members and the, the, the kids and just everybody, um, you know, at that moment, I think that's when it really becomes real for a lot of the players and, and you, you guys had some emotions in that moment because again, just thinking back to 2017 and what it meant. Uh, and that was kind of the completion uh, of a journey for you, for your sister, for, for everybody um, describe that. And then having to turn around and bowl the team event and, and bowl for the team all events uh, right away, uh, just so much emotion. Uh, but at the same time, uh, just something that you guys will share forever. Well, it made it even worse that I decided to stab my thumb on Mother's Day with a a huge knife. So I had a cast on my hand, on my left hand, before I had to bowl. Um, But yeah, I mean, when we came out there uh, to get the trophies during the presentation and seeing all my family and friends from around Syracuse and Rochester and and Buffalo, uh, having my kids there, my wife there, and knowing that my sister had passed away during that. I mean, it made it uh, extra special. And, and uh, it, it was, it, you know, I, I had a lot of emotion. I couldn't even speak. They, they wanted all of us to say something and I, I couldn't say anything. So we let Adam uh, talk for us and he, and he said it all very well. And, you know, during the whole time, we always had sh- hashtag Shelly's watching, hashtag Shelly's watching. And we all really believe she was watching, and and we believe that she helped us hang on to to win both those. So that making uh, a double trophy presentation was extra special and uh, very meaningful. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was sad at the same time. I mean, brought a lot of emotion up, but 
with my teammates, myself, and obviously my parents. So, and now that was Eagles number three, number four for you. Uh, and that's right around the time that the Hall of Fame conversation starts to happen. You now got your 20 years in at the Open Championships, which is another requirement. Uh, you're minutes away from being eligible for the PBA 50 tour. So uh, you're getting to that point in your career uh, where that's a real conversation. And now, um, you know, when we first talked in 2007, even prior to you guys taking the lanes, um, neither one of us could have known that we'd be having this talk all these years later, uh, talking about the potential Hall of Fame. But can you tell us, um, you know, if, if that conversation has been kicked around, I'm, I'm sure it has, uh, and what that would mean to you and what it means uh, to be a four-time champion at the OC and just what the OC means in general. Well, the conversation always seems to get brought up by the same person, which is you, Matt, for the uh, Hall of Fame, which is probably one of the main reasons why I love you so much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be a lifetime goal to be a uh, – put into the USBC Hall of Fame on um, performance. I mean, I, I don't know what else would be bigger in my bowling career than that. Uh, I mean, I do have 20 years in now. I know um, Bill Spigner uh, has been telling me I should get a resume ready for it. I know you have said something to me. Um, your lovely wife-to-be has said something to me about it. Uh, so this is something I definitely want to get together and and pursue, and I'll probably actually need your help, Matt, to be honest with you on that one. But uh, to be a four-time champion is just a dream come true. I, obviously, I want to win more. I, I, I want to be in that upper echelon of having maybe five or six or seven. Or, I mean, Nelson Burton Jr. has got nine, I think, which is uh, unbelievable. But uh, if I could get a few more in uh, before my hair turns totally white or falls <laughs> out, uh that would be really, really good. Uh, the PBA tour, the PBA 50 tour sounds like fun. My wife said, uh, I should try some stops, uh, when, uh, I reached that, uh, golden age, I guess. So I'll probably try to do something like that. I don't want to jeopardize anything for my team though. Um, so if something happens where I'd have to get a card or something and it would jeopardize our guys together, I would probably hold off on that for a while. So, but yeah, just to be a, the open championship means the world to me. It's my favorite tournament to bowl every year. I can't wait to get there. And it's, it's tough that it's only, you know, one time a year you get to bowl it, but uh, it's definitely is my favorite tournament. And it would be my favorite tournament to go to, even if I hadn't won. Now your wife actually is, or was a, a really good bowler as well. She was a collegiate standout too. Um, I mean, she probably could take your place on Team Any Bar. They'd probably glad, be glad to have her if you wanted to go chase your, your PBA 50 dreams, right? I think we could put Ruthie in there. She'd be much nicer to look at than I am <laughs> on the team, and uh, I'm sure she'd have just as much fun with everybody else because they all know her for so long, and they love her to death. But, uh, I mean, a little less rev rate than me, although my rev rate is decreasing on a uh, yearly basis. So uh, I'll probably be wherever Ruth's at shortly. So uh, yeah, I think I think Ruth could come in very easily. Now with uh, with all the the children uh, between you guys, all your teammates, uh, any talk of uh, of uh, NABR Junior to be in the companion team at some point? That'd be pretty awesome, I think, to bowl with your kids and Adam kids and uh, just have everybody out there and make it a, a family thing. Especially maybe once the the eagle chasing days are are behind you. That would. 
I would love to bowl my boys. Uh, Gabriel's my oldest. He's 16. So he would be my best shot. Uh, I'll be 112 by the time Grayson gets the bowl because he's only seven. Uh, but uh, yeah, that would be a dream come true to have our boys. It'd be great if like the Barta boys. Uh, but I mean, by the time we get the bowl with our kids, Barta might have two teams the way he's going with his children. So uh, keep winning Eagles. He's going to keep I mean, having kids. I, but I think there's a correlation. I think I, I think there may be. Every time Mar- Marcy is invited to any place we have to bowl for the USBCs, there's a kid the next year. So, uh, I know, I, you know, Marcy, if you want to keep having kids, keep coming to the Open Championships. I think uh, I think you'll have a, a companion team soon. All right. Well, ego babies aside, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, catching up, talking about uh, all of the great days and, and the emotions and uh, I know you're a, a great champion and ambassador for the sport and for the OC. And I hope the Hall of Fame does come knocking at some point uh, again uh, as you continue to, to build that resume for for you and all your teammates. And definitely uh, don't be done winning the Eagles. It's uh, it's really fun to tell all of these stories. Uh, and uh, as we get ready for the the world to open back up, Mike Rose Jr., uh, any final thoughts uh, as we uh, as we get ready to head out for the day? No, I mean, I I want the world to get back to normal as well. I, I can't wait for everything to get back to the way it was. Uh, some people say it may never get back to the way it was. I have faith. I think it will. Um, and I absolutely want bowling to get back to the way it was because it's uh, something I love so much and loved it my whole life. And I don't ever want to stop doing it. So I don't want to, you know, see anything happen to it. So I hope everything goes back to the way it was. Um you know, while I have the chance, I want to thank, like I said, I want to thank, you know, Storm for sponsoring me all these years now. And um, and uh, I want to sponsor or uh, thank, uh, you know, our companion team, Lightning Strikes and Chris Lamb, who drills on my balls. Uh, they, and Turbo, Lori Mraz, uh, who is the wife of my boss, Jeff. Um, she's always, always taking care of me and she's a dear, dear friend. Um, so, I, yeah, I can't say enough, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. I know we like to bust each other's chops a lot. I know we kept that to a, a very decent level on this show, uh, normally what we say to each other. But, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I will do uh, any show you want any anytime, even if it's a, a strip show. I'll strip for you, Matt, if you want me to. I don't – it's it's totally up to you. I know it's – probably out of your realm but uh i'm ready well i'll tell you what i think uh on one of the pwba shows kelly kulik offered uh, a pizza challenge uh, and now this uh we're, we're setting up uh, one really fun evening so uh you never know we might take you up on uh, all these offers uh, but before we go today we uh, have one more <laughs> dip into the archives uh, this one goes back to uh, the result of your 2007 all events title you got to be on the clash of champions there p weber's behind you uh, but uh, a fun event uh, that brought in all of our champions from our USBC events uh, for the, the calendar year. Um, just tell us about this photo, this experience, and then uh, then we'll get going for the day. But uh, again, uh, decades ago, based on the hair, uh, but Mike Rose was a celebrity for one more day. I I, know, I love the Clash of Champions. Uh, I've got a funny story for the Clash that you love this one. So. The Clash of Champions was a great experience. I love going out and seeing all the guys. And I know everybody because I bowl with Pete on tour and stuff like that. And I think um, 
think Tommy Baker was on that show. Um, Liz Johnson, uh, Timmy Pfeiffer, who has been a team member. So, so Dan, uh, I think Dan Vick might even have been out there for that one. Who is a watch guy. He might've been on that one or another show, but it, it, I had such a great time doing it, but my favorite story for that one is they had professional makeup artists doing hair and makeup. So we're in the back and we're doing our hair and makeup and stuff. And these guys are fantastic. I mean, these guys are true professionals. They've done TV shows, done movies, and they're doing my makeup and hair. Even after I'm done bowling and I come off, they're standing there and they're like, Mike, you looked the best up there. You were so wonderful. And they're still patting me down and they're fixing my hair and, and, and doing my makeup. And I'm not even on TV anymore. I'm done. And I'm like, thank you guys so much. You guys were so wonderful. It was such a great experience. So like a week later, Liz Johnson calls me up and uh, she said she had been talking to uh, uh, Lucy. And uh, they said, did you go to the uh, website that the, uh, the gentleman that did our hair and makeup told us to go to? And I said, no, I, I haven't gone yet. And uh, they said, well, they have pictures of us up there and all the hair and makeup they did because they they normally do that for all the shows they do and i go oh really they go yeah they had a picture of every girl that was on the show and then you were the only picture of all the guys they had you in every single picture and none of the other guys on there i'm like wow okay well hmm. okay yeah that's great i i think i can i can handle that <laughs> well, this actually does now explain a lot who that extra person is with Team NABR every year at the Open Championships. Now you have your own hair and makeup person. Totally makes sense. Yeah, it, uh, it would be. It would be. It would be great. Well, and you never know when you get your picture taken, you want to look your best. Uh, hopefully, we'll have that opportunity. I know Scotty mentioned you guys are coming to the OC in 2020, and uh, we look forward to to having you guys there. We're going to wrap things up today. Hopefully we'll, we'll make some more memories and have some great stories to share along the way. And folks at home, we want to thank you for tuning in for this edition of Inside the OC as well. Always a good time. Some great comments and questions along the way. Remember to check out the Bull TV schedule for all the other great content and shows uh, from the other folks in Mill Williams Jr., Aaron Smith, Curtis Von Kruger, Daniel Ferris, everybody. Uh, we do appreciate all the support here on Bull TV. Mike Rose, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thanks to Scott Pohl as well for dropping in. And uh, we'll catch you next week, next Thursday, potentially, uh, with a, a, another fun guest for Inside the OC Podcast. My name is Matt Canizaro, folks. That's the news for now. We'll see you on the lane.